Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Eating Alone in My Rental SUV show with your host, So Sad Today. Yes, I am in a rental SUV today um, because I am on the East Coast driving from New York City to the Berkshires. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've driven a car of this of this magnitude and stature. Um, when I was in college, I uh, w- was a pizza delivery girl, um, which I loved. Best fucking job ever because you can just drive around stoned and smoke cigarettes. Really, probably the best job I've ever had. Maybe it wouldn't be the best job for me now, but if I, if I looked back at all the jobs I've had and, um, you know, and, and match them to the time of my life. That, that was, that was an incredible job. Um, it was incredible. You know, you were just on your own. You were on your own. You were born free. Um, and, um, so I didn't, uh, in high school, I didn't have my own car. I drove my dad's car and then I was in college, didn't have a car. And then my grandfather had gotten, like, really into Dixieland jazz, and I don't know what that has to do with a giant-ass Ford Bronco, um, but somehow my mom had said there was a connection, like, he had gotten really into Dixieland jazz and had bought these, you know, that old school, like, I mean, this was like a big motherfucker, like, maybe the biggest of the cars, biggest of the trucks, and he had had it, um, from like the, I guess the late 80s or early 90s. So when I was in college, when I was a junior, he gave it to me. Or no, I'm sorry, he didn't give it to me. I think, had he died? It's bad that I don't know. No, he had not died yet, but he wasn't driving. And so he gave me the car. May he rest in peace. It had handicapped license plates on it. And this thing, I was deep in my hippie um, extravaganza time. And so this giant old ass, it was like bright, it was like brick red and white. Um, it, the thing was so fucking ugly. Um, and the inside, all the whole interior was like brick red. Um, and I, and the console was about like two, in the middle was about two feet by one foot. And I had about 70 cassette tapes in there because it didn't play CDs, which now I know even CDs sounds very old. But, um. And so I was deep in my hippie time, and so I had stickered the fuck out of this thing with, like, Jim... I had a Jim Morrison sticker on it. I mean, I was really winning. You know, I was really quite the winner. I had a Jim Morrison sticker. I think I had, like, a Pink Floyd. I had some kind of, like, daisy flower type thing. And I would drive around in this this giant-ass truck with the handicapped plates delivering pizza, you know. And, And it was fabulous. You know, it was fabulous. It was a great... It was a great time, and I, um, I was actually just thinking because I, I just was feeling a little horny, and I was like, should I like just pull over and, and masturbate in the back of this, this uh, SUV? I did, I did a lot of, ha- I did a lot of having sex in that car, and also I had a boyfriend when I was a sophomore in college. You know, we didn't have our own rooms, and he had gone to bring. He was, he was like spoiled, you know. So he had, he had his own SUV, like a Ford. Explorer, um, he was a spoiled, spoiled kid, and, um, even though I 
thought we were like, you know, I thought we were like really profound because we were like always on mushrooms. He was selling mushrooms, um, you know, and I, but, and, you know, and I, and we would, we would talk about the evils of capitalism while driving around in his uh, Ford SUV that his parents had bought for him, Ford Explorer, Expedition, I don't know, some sort of exploration. Um, You know, we'd be talking about the, the perils of capitalism and money. Um, but we would fuck in the back of that car. We did everything in that car. I mean, we, like, lived in that car. Um, you know, we'd, we'd go to the park, we'd take mushrooms, and then, like, the car would turn into sort of, like, a spaceship at night, and we'd be in the car. So anyway, but so I don't think I've driven an SUV since then, and it's been a while. Um, but it's it's raining, and so I decided to get, it was, like, $5 more for the SUV, so I was, like... You know, I haven't driven. I haven't driven in the rain in um, I don't even know how long because it doesn't rain in Los Angeles. When it rains in Los Angeles, um, basically everyone acts like it's like um, you know it, it's a it's a catastrophic weather event. Like everyone gets very freaked out and like nobody can really drive and um, you know everyone's like terrified and bracing for their lives because it rains there. Like you know thrice a year, but, um, but, but, and I hadn't driven when I lived in New York for 10 years, so this is, you know, I was like, it's it's, it's your first rainy drive, treat yourself to the power of a sport utility vehicle, I got the small SUV, alleged, it's supposed to be small, um, this motherfucker is huge, some Nissan, like, I feel like I'm on the Titanic between the, between the rain and the the size of this bad boy, I'm like, it's really very Jesus take the wheel up in here, but um, anyway, I'm not going to pull over and masturbate, I'm just going to try to get up to, to my destination in the Berkshires, but I thought about it, I did think about it, and I was like, well, I could, um, you know, I could hide in the back of this thing and just, I mean, I could move in, I could drop off the grid, really, um, and I could just, you know, I could move into this thing and that would be that, which actually sounds kind of appealing to me, to be honest, um, but, oh, also, um, I have Siri on, um, so you're going to hear Siri. Siri's going to be, Siri is my guest star on the show today, um, because I need to leave her on, um, so I can, like, figure out what the hell I'm doing, um, and get up there in this rain. Now, um, another difference, uh, between today and the huge, um, so I am driving, which I, I never usually am, it's very rare, it's rare that I'll be driving and doing the the show. But another difference is that I'm because it's raining and because I'm driving, I'm not gonna and it's not just something that's easy to eat like pizza candy. I'm not I'm not currently at this moment while recording eating. I've got but I've got my food astride. I've got my food riding shoddy. And what I have today, it's a very special, it's a special uh, favorite meal of mine. I'm going to call it a meal. Um, to me, it's a meal. It is the New York City Deli turkey sandwich on a Kaiser roll. They don't have this shit in California. New York City, you go to any deli that has, you know, any any respectable deli that has a, uh, or bodega that has the... Uh, you know, like the, the refrigerated glass counter with all the meats and the... It can be any time of day. It can be 3 o'clock in the morning. And for 
sometimes seven, sometimes five if you're lucky, you get um, a big sandwich. You get a delicious, beautiful sandwich. My version, the one I always get, I get the Kaiser roll, the circle roll, circle roll. I don't, the word Kaiser roll, I don't know, there's something like embarrassing about it to me. Like, do you ever feel like there's certain words or certain compound words are sort of embarrassing? I don't like saying Kaiser roll out loud. Something about being at a deli in public and being like, yeah, I'll get the Kaiser roll. It feels very tuna salad sandwichy to me. You know, there's something else about it's in the line of tuna salad sandwich. Like, someday I'll be brave and I'll say tuna salad sandwich on a Kaiser roll. That's when I'll know that I've really accepted myself. Or, you know, we'll see if that happens. But, but so I say the, the round roll. I'm like, yeah, I'd like the circle roll. I like the circle roll. Turkey, lettuce, tomato, honey mustard, pickle gotta have the pickle on there you gotta juice it up you know you gotta juice it up and um so it's sitting here next to me like a little precious baby it's wrapped up in its paper um you know it's it's marinating the longer you know the longer you let it sit the better because all the, the sort of the honey mustard and the, the pickle all sort of blends into the kaiser not kaiser roll um kaiser soze roll and um it's really fabulous and i just every once in a while i just keep kind of reaching my hand over and giving it a little pat, a pat on its sweet head. It's wrapped. Um, and I just keep giving it a little pat, knowing that that sandwich is waiting for me. Um, it's really a beautiful thing to, to know that you've got, to know that you've got a, uh, a New York deli, New York, New York bodega, from a sweaty glass counter sandwich made just the way you like it riding next to you, riding shoddy. It's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. I often feel that, for me, I really feel as though I like the anticipation of many things better than I like the things. Um, I find that potentiality is really, it's really where I am, you know. It's really, um, I'd rather be pre-fuck than fucking, I think. Um, you know, I'd rather be probably Pre, no, I enjoy the sandwich. When I'm mid-sandwich, I'm feeling good. But, but, but pre-sandwich is a really great place to be in your life. You know, pre-sandwich is a, it's a safe space of mine. It is, it is. And um, this car is butt warmers, um, which I, I are interesting. Um, so I'm sw- I'm swaddled here. I'm swaddled in a butt warmer, and I've got my sandwich swaddled in its paper next to me. My baby, my child. What should we name her? Let's name her Belinda. My sandwich. I know I'm going to eat her, but um, I think she's a she. She's a sweet baby, Belinda, sitting next to me in the passenger seat, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. Um, I'll probably, I'm probably going to put on once I get into Massachusetts. Probably going to put on some James fucking Taylor. Um, to me, James Taylor is, you know, if there were like three people who represent every state, you know, like if every state has sort of like three people who embody it or like who really should be like the governor, I think for Massachusetts, number one is James Taylor. Um, you know, so I'll put on, I'll put on some JT, maybe I'll pop the sandwich then. It's going to be a smooth ride. It's going to be a smooth ride. I'm assuming I don't, you know, get in an accident and die. When I was filling out, I always get the additional insurance when I get the rental car, like I have car insurance, but I just don't know exactly how it works. Like, are you covered? And so, you know, so so here I am. I've got my full coverage. Um, 
And I even this time, I got the insurance on personal injury. It's like a dollar a day. Why wouldn't you? Why would you know? Why wouldn't I? Um, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means that like if I get it didn't say personal injury. It said like insurance on self. So I was like, okay, does that mean that like if I die, then like my husband gets like a policy or something? Or does that mean that like you know if I'm injured? I don't really know. But um, but yeah. So I'm it's eating alone in my SUV, and actually my car in California is currently being fixed after uh, the accident um, that happened in the Gelson's parking lot. So um, should be should be back back to uh, normal uh, to its normal 13 year old stinky state when I return, and uh, you know things are okay. Things are okay right now. The reason why I am driving up to the Berkshires is I've mentioned on the podcast before that I have a side hustle going on um, that I've been doing for about, I don't know, two years where I write for um, a company based in the Berkshires that makes um, funny dish towels, funny socks, funny poop spray for the bathroom. They call it lav mist, laboratory mist. I I always call it poop spray, but, um, funny shit. I write funny shit for this company and they're, they're lovely people. Um, I really, they're like a fam. Um, I'm not really used to fam. So it's always, we, we do, we do like breakfast, lunch, dinner together, you know, like every day. And I'm up there for, I, I go up every six months. And we do sort of like, it's like camp sock, you know, like we do a really intensive, like me and two other writers go and um, we do like a intensive sock summit um, where we come up with all of our new socks. Um, the company is actually called Blue Q, if you're interested. Um, if you go to Blue Q's website, you'll see um, the, you'll probably, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be like, oh, I recognize that piece of text. Um, but... Yeah, it's like kind of it's the best job since pizza delivery, um, and um, yeah. So I go up there, but you know, it's always it's because I'm so used to working alone. Like, you know, with with my head in the oven um, as a writer in solitude, it's always like it's 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 intense to be with people for three days, no matter how much you really like the people. Um, you know, and there's always the fear that I'm gonna have a panic attack. Um, or like any, any situation where I feel as though I can't leave, um, are definitely like anxiety triggers. And like I one time told years ago, I had a therapist and I was like, you know, um, I told her that I was like, it's, it's my biggest triggers are like social or group situations. Actually, one-on-one scares me more than a group because in a group, I feel like you're not as accounted for. You know, like when it's one-on-one, like they will definitely notice if you get up and leave. A group, it's like less because like people are paying like less attention to you. You know, it's like the biggest, like I'm fine in a crowd. Like stick me at like a massive like protest and like I'm good, you know. Crowd's fine because like no one's really paying attention. But it's that sort of fear of being, like, judged. And I think to be judged, you have to be noticed. And you're definitely going to be noticed if you 
if you're in a one-on-one situation and you just leave. But so, I, you know, I told my therapist years ago, I was like, so, you know, my biggest my, my biggest triggers are when I'm in these situations where it's like, I can't leave. And she's like, well, what do you mean you can't leave? You can always leave a situation. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can. And then I, like, left her office and I was like, no, you can't. Like, yes, technically, in, unless you're on a plane, which, you know, makes sense why some people have plane phobias, um, you can leave any situation. But, like... There are a lot of situations where it would be, like, fucking weird if you just got up and left. You know, like, some sort of interview or, like, a, you know, like, a work career meeting. Um, You know, like, when I'm in these meetings, these Hollywood meetings, if I just, like, left after 25 minutes, like, I just don't think they would think it was cute. You know? they Like, I kind of can't. I kind of can't. And even, like, it's weird because even when I was, um you know, doing some Hollywood stuff around the So Sad Today show. What ended up happening, I can probably say now what happened with the So Sad. So So Sad Today, um, there were two things that I did with that in terms of Hollywood. One was when I first moved to L.A., or like a year after I moved to L.A., um, I, um, my friend Brad Listy, um, shout out to Brad Listy and his The Other People podcast, Brad Lissy is, like, one of the most, like, decent human beings that I know. He's just a good human... He's a good Samaritan. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you need a plumber, ask Brad for a recommendation. He will he will help you out. Um, but so Brad um, and I, he asked me, like, why I wasn't doing anything with the Twitter account. This was before the So Sad Today book. This was when it was still totally anonymous. And I was like, well, what do you mean doing anything? Like, I am doing. I'm tweeting from it all the time. He's like, no, like, you should write some kind of show. or So him and I, like, came up with this idea for a teen show inspired by um, the Twitter. And um, and we actually wrote a pilot, but we, we ended up getting agents and then sold that show to MTV. We sold it on a pitch. We pretended the pilot, like, didn't exist. But basically what we pitched was the pilot that had already been written. So, so we did that. And then MTV, like, about a week later, uh, like, changed hands and was like, yeah, we're not doing teen shows anymore. And I was like, oh, okay, great. So, but it was cool. So, you know, sold that. That was nice. Um, that was, you know, more money than I had made ever for a piece of writing. Now, granted, you know, I was, I was a poet up until that point. So I think the most money I had made for a piece of writing was, like, $100. But, um, but nonetheless. Um, and then... Um, Two years ago, or I, um, after the So Sad Today book came out, um, I pitched it. I, p- I had an idea for a show and pitched it around and sold that pitch to um, the CBS Studios. And um, and then I don't know. Like, am I supposed to be talking about this? I feel like it's fine. It's like done. You know, it's like already all done. Like it's all in the. Room. So I think it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Like I don't even know how many people listen to this show. So. Um, so I, I, I did that, and then CW picked it up, and I wrote the pilot with um, another white man named Chad, Chad Kultkin, um, also a wonderful fellow. I get, I have good luck in Brad's and Chad. Um, he, and so we wrote that together, and um, we wrote an hour pilot, and I was really fucking excited when we sold it to the CW because I was like. Um, 
you know, my Gossip Girl love. And I was like, holy shit, Chuck Bass. Um, you know, I was like, can I want Ed Westwick to have a cameo. This was pre-Me Too. So, um, pre-hashtag Me Too. So, hashtag CW didn't end up making the pilot. You know, as this is, this is, you could honestly probably, like, live for the rest of your life on, like, making stuff for Hollywood. And, like, even if nothing ever gets made, like, you are employed. Um, which is pretty interesting. So, CW decided not to do it. And I, I, truth be told, by the time they decided not to do it, it was post-hashtag Me Too. And Ed Westwick had been called out for, like, being a rapist or alleged rapist. I don't know. Am I supposed to say alleged? I don't really know. But it hashtag alleged rapist. Um, and so, um, hashtag I didn't really care because I was like, well... To be honest, the most exciting part about it was that, like, I was going to get Ed Westwick to make a cameo. So they said. So they said. So, um, you know, so that's what happened to that one. So that one's au revoir. Um, but. So I'd be in these meetings, like, telling the story of the inception of the So Sad Today Twitter and, like, about my own history of anxiety, depression, I mean, panic attacks. Like, panic attacks were big parts of of what I was talking about. A lot of it was my own story, and I also really, when, I, when I've seen anxiety and depression on TV, because, um, you know, mental illness, there there's mental illness, and I, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm not supposed to say that I don't watch a lot of TV and movies. I'm just, I'm more of a reader. It just is how it is. The internet has destroyed my attention span. Um, so I'm not supposed to say that. So I watch a ton, I'm going to say I watch a ton of TV. I mean, at this point, whatever, I've probably said like 80 things I'm not supposed to say. Because, um, you know, if you're like doing like writing, like movie writing, you know, it's like you should be watching movies. But, um, so, yes, yeah, so, oh, I'm always at the movie theater. Always at the movie theater. Always watching TV. Um, you know, we won't talk about the fact the last movie I saw in the theater was Boo, a Medea Halloween. Um, but so, and not the sequel. So, not Boo 2. So, but I'd be in there, like, literally talking about this stuff. Um, and even, like, in meetings that weren't for that specifically, but just they call them general meetings, which is, I've kind of come to realize, like, the thing about, like, New York City is that, like, if somebody schedules a meeting with you, they have the intention of wanting to work with you, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they want to work with you, um... It may not happen, but they're like, oh, I might like to work with this person. I feel like the generals in Hollywood are basically like, just in case you happen to get famous or make it, then, like, they'll be like, Melissa, you know, like, they'll have once met you. Like, that's kind of what I've deduced. But so even in these general meetings where I'm just like, it's just you're meeting people and, like, you're kind of just sitting on a sofa for an hour, um, like, I... I would still be talking, you know, they'd be asking about, like, So Sad Today and, and the inception of that account, and, um, or in the TV meetings, you know, I, I'd, I'd be talking about, like, that I wanted to make a show that really reflected what it's like to live with anxiety and depression as I've experienced it, which is, you know, you see it on, on TV, 
And it's like it's often something that is a problem to be solved, and it gets solved in an episode or a season. Um, you know, we had Tony Soprano with the meats, like he found out eventually that like it was the meats triggering, you know, and then like that the panic attacks dissipated. It's usually it's usually something that is a short story arc, we'll call it. But for myself, anxiety and depression are almost like characters that have been part of my life and I really had to learn to like ride the waves. You know, anytime I think it's gone and I'm like, I'm in the clear, it resurfaces. It's a, for me, in my experience, it has been a chronic illness. And so what is it like to live with these things that always in the room? So I'd be talking about this and like, I'd still be scared that I was going to have a panic attack or have to like excuse myself and leave. Um, which was weird because like, they know this about me, like we're talking about it. Um, but for whatever reason, um, you know, it's still like, it feels much more okay for me to like talk about it than to actually, and I'd literally be like pitching this stuff while having a panic attack and I, and I, and they wouldn't even know that I'd be having a panic attack. And I found there was some level of, like I needed to bring some level of sort of, I don't know, I hate the word authenticity because it's been hashtag authenticity now, you know, but I had to bring some level of not hashtag authenticity into it. And so what I'd say is I'd be like, you know, I could be having a panic attack right now and you wouldn't know. Because I was talking about how good I've gotten at sort of like denying that part of myself. Um, although I am always hesitant to call it good because I don't know that it's necessarily like a good thing, you know, to fake it till we make it. We're told to fake it till we make it. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm still, the jury's still out for me on, like, whether faking it. I mean, certainly I don't want to run from the room screaming. But, um, you know, but it's like I think giving ourselves permission to be a human being. Um, you know, who knows that? Who knows who else in that room is a panic attack sufferer? Um, and... Um, you know, so I'd be talking about it and then like sometimes I'd be having one and I was like, this is just so fucking weird because I'm talking about the thing that I can't actually say I'm going through it right now. But I did add in that, that part in the pitch where I said, you know, I could be having one right now and you wouldn't know. And often I was. Um, so it's interesting just in terms of like giving ourselves permission. So I'm, so I'm driving up the, to the Berkshires and I'll be, you know, in a group, but it's a small group. So it will be noticeable if I step out. Um, and I'm on, I'm on the Taconic right now, which is a beautiful road. Um, not great drainage for rain, which is why I got the, I don't know, I was told by, I didn't know that, but I was told by like my dad and then like a dad figure who works at the company about the drainage, um, on the road. And so that's why I got the, uh, this giant fucking hulking thing to drive up there. Um, on the Taconic, I don't think the Taconic has many rest stops. Um, and I'm still doing the thing where I'm trying to drink stupid water. Um, if you listen to last week's episode, here's your narrative continuity. I am feeling a little more comfortable in my body again, but I'm still forcing myself to drink uh, 64 ounces of water as opposed to um, none and all Coke Zero. 
Um, so I'm peeing every like 15 minutes. My whole life now has just become about where I'm going to pee. Um, you know, I know you're supposed to, like, I know you're supposed to say, like, excuse yourself and not say I have to go pee amongst adults. Yet, for some reason, it always feels weird to me to be like, excuse me, where's the restroom? I almost feel like restroom is another Kaiser Roll type thing. Restroom. Or, like, to wash up. I mean, what do you say? I, I, I mean, I'm not like I have to go take a piss. Um, well, some, you know, amongst friends I am. Um, but, but I say, you know, I'll be right back. I have to pee. I don't know why. Why do I always say I have to pee? It just feels more natural to me than to be like, would you excuse me for a moment? Um, and so, but so I'm on the Taconic, and I'm like, well, peeing by the side of the road, like, does not excite me. Like, peeing by the side of the road doesn't excite me. But, you know, something that I'm, I'm thinking about that might be kind of exciting and fun is I've got this empty Starbucks cup here in the car. And, um, come what may, if the situation presents itself, I might have to pee in the Starbucks cup. And I'm actually kind of excited about that. Like, is that weird? I mean, now at this point, any, any, uh, clearly you know that I am, I am not, um, this, this show still is not monetized as I've, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, uh, Blue Q and MTV and who's CW in the same sentences or the same few breaths as I'm going to, I'm excited to pee. Oh, and Starbucks. I'm excited to pee in a Starbucks cup. That would be cool, actually, if, like, if, like, Starbucks was, like, monetizing this show and, like, all I had to do was say, like, I'm excited to pee in a Starbucks cup. Like, that would be cool. But, um, but needless to say, the show is still, uh, free, uh, for me and for you. Um, not monetized. And, um, but I'm kind of excited. Like, I'm hoping that the situation presents itself. I, lo- like, I, I, I do like sort of a feral, wild, unexpected like that. I like secrets. I like where you're really just down to sort of survival mode. And it's like, I, I don't like peeing by the side of the road because I, there's other people involved, you know, and it's, it's not really secret because uh, you're peeing and others are like, you know, driving by. Um, and what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to squat by the side of the road. I'm not a good stander and peer. Like, the pee always ends up getting on, like, you know, I mean, I don't understand as a woman or a cis woman, I guess I'll say, how one pees without taking your pants off. Like, every time, even when I squat, like, it just is a disaster. So, um, and I'm wearing, I'm wearing a, a legging right now. I'm wearing, not a jegging, but a legging. I'm wearing a legging. And so that would, it's not very pee-friendly. Um, but I'm thinking that a cup adventure could be really fun. Um, because I do, I like sort of those moments when it's just like you and God or you and the void and, and the cup, you know, like it's nice. It's like funny. Like it's like, oh, and it's also very like, I feel like some people would be like, wait, you you peed in a cup? Like not that I'm going to be telling everyone. I mean, besides like, you know, the whole internet or anyone who listens to this show, but like there's something very essential that makes me feel, that would make me feel very... Even just the possibility, the potentiality of it. Again, you know, maybe the peeing in the cup won't even be that great, but the possibility that it's going to have to happen um, is really exciting for me. And it's because it, it's a moment of like, 
it's a moment of truth. You know, when, when you're on your deathbed, what are you going to look back and remember? Are you going to look back and remember that you sold a television show uh, that didn't get made, but nonetheless, you sold a television show to MTV? No. Mm-mm. Are you going to remember that you were on your own, on the Taconic one day, the rain coming down, flood watch, and you were trying to drink 64 ounces of water because you hate your body, even though technically drinking 64 ounces of water is actually good for your body, but the reason, your reasons for drinking it uh, were contrary to the self-care industrial complex, your reasons for drinking it were... Um, much more about your fear of body dysmorphia and that you were gaining weight because you weren't drinking water and that you, you had, you know, a bladder full of at least 32 ounces because you, you tried to drink it quickly and you had a Starbucks cup nearby and you thought, you know, life is short. I mean, it's not that short. Sometimes I'm like, life is not that short at all. But, um... You know, you had the Starbucks cup and you were like, I'm going to be one with this Starbucks cup. Like, I'm just going to do what I need. I'm taking care of myself. So really, I can't wait. I think even if I don't have to pee that bad, even if I pass a rest stop, there will be there will be a Starbucks cup. There will be a... There will be... I'm going to be peeing a grande. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'll pee a tall, but I've got a grande cup. I hope it's not a venti. I hope it's not a venti. Could be. Is a venti 32 ounces? Because I basically just chugged 32 ounces of water before I got on the road. In any event, I think that pretty much wraps it up for today. Wishing you all your own personal moments where it's just you and uh, God or, or the void. And, um, and your own precious pee in a Starbucks cup. Or whatever your version of that is. See you on the flip side. Bye-bye.